Welcome, everybody, yet another episode of the Wrestling vs. the World podcast. If y'all are enjoying your day, awesome. If not, let's see what this episode can do for you. So, I've discussed GBL in the past. I did a whole episode talking about his WWE title run, how I honestly still cannot stand it to this day due to the booking. But then I started to think, you know what else kind of felt lackluster? His run from 2007 to 2009. Talk about when he finally got back into the ring after being away for about a year and a half due to injury. So I started to look through and I realized, yeah, there wasn't much to note because there were barely any feuds that he had that lasted that long and only had one title run, really, when you look through it. So today's episode, we're going to discuss GBL's run during the time when he came back to the ring. and He hasn't really had an official match of sorts since then, not including the brief time that he spent in the Royal Rumble or whatever year it was. So first off, everything started off at Armageddon 2007. Chris Jericho battled Randy Orton for Randy Orton's WWE Championship, and during the match, Jericho got thrown over into JBL, who was the commentator at the time, and as retaliation, as Jericho had the walls of Jericho locked on Randy Orton and was close to making him tap out, JBL interfered in the match by booting Chris Jericho in the head, thus ending the match by disqualification. So this whole thing led to their feud, JBL announced he would return to the ring and was coming over to Raw, thus building to their pay-per-view match at the Royal Rumble. Now, of course, most people remember this match because there was that one incident where there was a botched bulldog. But regardless, JBL would end up winning the match by disqualification after Chris Jericho slammed him in the head with a steel chair. And during the build to the feud, you had the whole thing where Jericho got choked out with a wire by JBL. Well, Jericho got revenge by doing that to JBL after the match as well. And I believe they went on just a bit longer with the feud into February, but... It's neither here nor there. Next up, he ended up failing to become the number one contender at the No Way Out pay-per-view in the Elimination Chamber match to determine who would become the number one contender of the WWE title at WrestleMania. I don't really remember anything other than him using a steel chair on Omaga. Now, after this, things got a little iffy because during this time, Vince McMahon was having the whole illegitimate son angle with saying Hornswoggle's his son, but GBL came out one night and announced to Vince that Finlay was actually Hornswoggle's father and not Vince McMahon. So after that was confirmed, they started getting JBL into the storyline, including beating up Hornswoggle in the steel cage, and then even beating him up when he was recovering in a hospital afterwards. When Finlay admitted, yeah, it's true, Hornswoggle's my son. So it was more of a way to really blackmail or point a finger at Vince to humiliate him. So this would lead to JBL and Finlay then having the match at WrestleMania, Belfast Brawl, JBL will get the win. First WrestleMania match he had since WrestleMania 22. And it was a pretty entertaining match. I think most people mostly remember it because Hornswoggle got hit with a trash can. JBL's like, Marl! And just threw the can and knocked Hornswoggle over. All this then suddenly made JBL somehow the number one contender of the WWE Championship. As the next night, he had a face-to-face confrontation with Randy Orton announced his number one contendership to the WWE Championship in Backlash saying that people don't like Randy, well, they're really going to hate him. This will then lead to adding Triple H and John Cena as part of it, stemming off of what happened at WrestleMania with a triple threat for the title. This would become a Fatal 4-Way match, then change to a Fatal 4-Way elimination match. Now, JBL was the first person eliminated after John Cena made him submit to the STF. This would then also kind of build their own one-on-one feud, which would really be JBL's longest feud that involved actual matches, during this entire run. So this would lead to Judgment Day, the opening of the pay-per-view, where John Cena would win. No surprise there. 
These two would have another match a few weeks later at One Night Stand because they were kind of crunched on when they were having pay-per-views and got a little bloated, where JBL would take on John Cena at One Night Stand in a first blood match. This was one of, if not the last first blood match in WWE history. But of course, JBL lost. Of course, he had a capsule in his mouth to spit out blood when John Cena had a chain wrapped around his neck in order to get him to bleed. Kind of an iffy way there. Then this feud would lead into the Great American Bash. During one Raw segment, they had a thing where JBL tried to hit John Cena in the head with a car while leading against another one. John Cena got out of the way, but still led to the match of the Great American Bash regardless. In a parking lot brawl, both men were brawling around, brawling around backstage. If, you, if you've never seen the match, you can kind of picture it, that kind of sitting where you probably saw John Cena and Eddie Guerrero have one back in 2003, or almost like an iron circle of sorts, kind of like also what we saw with Shamrock and Blackman back during the Attitude Era. Backstage, like using the cars as weapons and everything like that, pretty entertaining thing. Match came to a conclusion when John Cena was about to hit the AA to JBL off the stage onto a car that was over there by the stage. JBL avoided it, threw Cena into the car, broke through the windshield, and got the pin to end the feud once and for all. Now, even though JBL came out really on the losing end of how many matches he had compared to how many John Cena won, after this, he was suddenly declared the number one contender of the World Heavyweight Championship at SummerSlam, held by CM Punk, where he also failed to win this World Championship. But of course, he would still get another title match later on, unforgiven for the World Heavyweight Championship in the Championship Scramble. I think we all... Remember that stipulation, two men start, a new member enters every five minutes. If you get a pinfall or submission victory, then you're named as the interim champion, and whoever is the final person to get a pinfall or submission decision by the time that time limit ends, you are the official champion. And of course, JBL failed to win the World Heavyweight Championship. He would then go on to a bit of, to a one-off match with Batista, No Mercy, easily lost that match, I think it was like, what, five minutes or something like that? To when Batista won to become number one contender of the World Heavyweight Championship. I think that whole led to the whole bit of a feud that Batista would have with Chris Jericho. After this, he started to have a feud with Shawn Michaels. This was another bit of a long-running feud, but it didn't involve that many matches, so that's why I say the John Cena one was a little more long-lasting. His team would end up losing a team of Shawn against Team Shawn Michaels after getting eliminated by countout. So a bit of an iffy decision there. But the issues would not end with Shawn Michaels, as we would see the following month at Armageddon. They were getting the whole economic crisis and the stock market crash and everything that was going on in real life at that time. Implemented into this, where Shawn Michaels claimed that he lost all of his investments and life earnings and everything like that. And had no choice but to take up a job as JBL's assistant. So, there, even though it was pretty obvious it was fake, they are trying something to implement real life stuff into a storyline and decided he would be the assistant of JBL. Now, JBL after this would become the number one contender to the World Heavyweight Championship, which was held by John Cena in the Royal Rumble. I think there was like a Fatal 4-Way or something like that going on, where it was down to him and Shawn Michaels at the end. JBL demanded Shawn Michaels lay down, but of course, we all know the whole phrase there, Shawn Michaels saying he doesn't lie down for absolutely anybody. So instead, he pretty much told JBL, just hit him, hit him with clothesline from hell, pin, became number one contender of the World Heavyweight Championship at the Royal Rumble. Now, JBL's mission was become World Heavyweight Champion because that's what he hired Shawn Michaels to do to make sure that happens. However, JBL would fail to do so after Shawn Michaels attacked him during the match, but then also attacked John Cena in the Royal Rumble. But Cena would still emerge victorious to retain the World Heavyweight Championship against JBL. This caused a big rift between both men. That's when it was announced that in no way out, JBL and Shawn Michaels would go one-on-one -on -one 
if JBL wins, Shawn Michaels is his assistant for life. He gets, his, gets to own his likeness and name and everything going forward. But if Shawn Michaels wins, he ends up being free from his contract with JBL. And he gets paid the rest of his contract in full in one big payment. Now, of course, they had the match at No Way Out. Solid match at best. You probably remember it because Shawn Michaels' real-life wife, Rebecca, slaps JBL ringside. How that did not cause a, notice, uh, cause a disqualification rule, I'll never know because she's not a legal participant. But Shawn Michaels hit his switch in music defeat JBL, and would be free of his contract. Of course, one thing to note about that was the night after No Way Out, Shawn Michaels and JBL had a face-to-face conversation, pretty entertaining statement. Shawn Michaels happy as hell, saying he had an epiphany the night before, but he can't spell it, but he had an epiphany too. That's Then JBL would move on from this. Shawn Michaels would go to face The Undertaker. And on the March 9th, 2009 edition of Raw, JBL would win the only championship from his time during this run would also make him a Grand Slam champion as he would win the Intercontinental Championship March 9, 2009 edition of Raw from CM Punk making him the 10th ever Grand Slam champion but also the 12th ever Triple Crown champion. So it was like the only real championship that he needed at this point because he had been WWE champion he had been US champion before multiple time tag champions hardcore and European champion but of course never world heavyweight champion despite the many attempts so this Intercontinental Championship win would give him these accomplishments. Then afterwards, it would announce that at WrestleMania, he would face Rey Mysterio for his Intercontinental Championship. They had some back-and-forth stuff leading to this, and in a squash match victory, Rey Mysterio would win the Intercontinental Championship from JBL. I believe if Mary Susan right in the build is, he was also saying he was having an announcement for WrestleMania. And after losing the match, he grabbed the mic and announced he quits, and then officially announced his retirement the following day online. And since then, he has not had an official in-ring return. Again, not including that one-time Royal Rumble match where he just entered the ring and quickly got eliminated. In terms of being like a full-time competitor, this has been it for him ever since then. Yeah, he's had some physical interactions as we've seen over the years, but in terms of being back in the ring full-time like you see many others do and having official matches and everything, this has been it for him. So it's like you look at this run from when he returned in late December 2007 up until WrestleMania 25, nothing really remarkable because the matches you never really saw anything that really stood out because like Royal Rumble you don't remember it the Elimination Chamber match you don't really remember his participation Wrestlemania was like a solid match with with Finlay but you remember it because Trash Can of Hornswoggle Backlash you only remember because Triple H won nobody remembers a Judgment Day match One Night Stand you just remember how JBL lost Great American Bass was probably like the best match he had during all this SummerSlam, you just remember him losing to Punk. I don't remember him having anything to do really with the Unforgiving match, but he was somehow in it. Quickly lost Batista and No Mercy. I don't remember anything from the Survivor Series match of them getting counted out. The storyline with him hiring Shawn Michaels, he lost at Je- against John Cena at Royal Rumble, failed to defeat Shawn Michaels in No Way Out, and then he lost a squash match on his way out. So it's like, really, you look at this, and it was really lackluster because, again, one or two programs that actually meant anything. Most Everything else was just like one-off stuff, maybe two pay-per-views and stuff. One title run, barely any memorable matches or anything, really. Just like, if I had to give JBL a grade for this run, honestly, I'd have to give it like a D. Because like I said, barely anything notable. One title run, feuds barely had anything going. Other things were just one-off matches. It was just like, go there, appear and have some matches and everything, but nothing really 
barely anything long-lasting of sorts compared to other feuds you see, like, during that period or even in the past. So it's like, really, what else to say for the this run except for the fact that it was pretty much a iffy dud? I would say full-on dud, but then again, that would be an F rating. So anyway, let me know what you all thought, if you can, if you wish to do so, about JBL's run from when he started returning the ring from late December 2007 up until his retirement at WrestleMania 25. If you enjoyed, please remember to leave a like or follow or subscribe or whatever, depending on what platform you are listening to. If you can leave comments and wish to share what you think, like I said, please do so. And I will catch you all in the next episode. Thank you for listening, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe, or whatever. And peace out, and good day, everybody.